I saw him. Well, he was on his way. No, he's here. I saw him. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, we're trying, are we talking about a different day? My day. Your day. There's never a good time. Not the other day. Not your day. My day. I thought it was your day, myself. Seriously? 38? My friends are crazy. Oh, it's the Lowens and the Strachucks. Leftover addict, oh. but I quit cold turkey. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. What? Christmas jokes? What are you doing? Yeah, you got one. Oh yeah. What? Knock knock. Who's there? Dexter. Dexter. Dexter holds <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Good, good, good. How did she lose it? All right, fantastic. Welcome, everybody, you brave people. Um, it is my pleasure to welcome you today to our final gathering before Christmas, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, it's been our practice recently to extend a welcome to you. No matter who you are, no matter who you love, no matter where you're from or what you look like or how much faith you have, we extend the welcome of Jesus to you. You are welcome here. We also want to acknowledge um, as an act of seeking right relationship between us and First Nations that we gather here on the unceded traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and it's so good to be with you all. I'm actually impressed that we have so many here today. Um, I'm going to begin with a prayer that comes from Walter Brueggemann. So um, I invite you to um, uh, to pray this prayer along with me as we begin. Let's pray. Outrageous God. Outflank our weary Christmas with the advent miracle of a power that lies beyond us. May we receive this power, this new vision, which should set us free to live boldly into your dream for the world. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.
awkward, like, if I put my glasses on, I can't see, if I take them off, I can't see. <laughs> so we have this um, amazing musical experience planned for you today, where Dave and I were getting the band back together. For those of you who don't know, Dave and I were rock stars in our younger days. And Dave was the chick magnet. And, um, the long uh, hair, the long flowing hair. had lots of hair. And, uh, and, and so we got Rick, who was the drummer. He was coming today, he was bringing us on calls to play the violin. And we were going to call it, and Julie was singing, so it was going to be Hooker's Chick. <laughs> but the snow is too much of Bernie, so it's, it's, it's not, it's only just Dave and I. Wow. 
right, so we have a special treat for you today. Um, we have been having some conversations with some of our cat kids about Christmas and what they like to do with Christmas and the Christmas story. And uh, Josie and Michaela worked on putting this video together. Um, and so you're going to see some people that you recognize. Hope that you enjoy it. What are your favorite things to do around Christmas time? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
no sound equipment, and no chairs. <laughs> Since we started meeting fully in person as a church, I have been very involved with setup. Our operational costs, which were close to nothing during COVID, has now escalated greatly. In addition to rent, we now also have to cover increased storage fees, chair rentals, and sound expenses. Let me give you some numbers. The pipe shop rental is about 1500 per service, compared to 1250 per Sunday at Hillside. Our church has been very blessed to have one of our members step up to cover the rental cost of the pipe shop for this year and next year. However, the rental of the chairs costs us 600 each time because we need them dropped off and picked up on a Sunday when most companies do not work. And the assistance with the sound costs us another 600 each Sunday. Our solution to these increased operational costs is to turn our church into a fully mobile church, which will allow us to give up our storage lockers as well as own and transport our own chairs and sound equipment. This solution will also centralize all the gear we need for each all-church gathering in one place for ease of setup and takedown. Unsurprisingly, this solution will also incur more costs at first, since we need to purchase a truck big enough for all our setup equipment for the service, for hospitality, and for our children. We have drawn a budget of about 55000 provided that we can find a truck for under 30000 Hans and Matt Lee are right now actively looking for a suitable truck. In fact, Hans and I went out to Maple Ridge yesterday to check a few out. <laughs> My request to you is for a financial contribution to these increased operation costs so that we can continue to serve the least, <coughs> the lost, the lonely, and the left behind in a location at Lower Lonsdale that is friendly, accessible, and inclusive. My dream is to be able to invite friends, neighbors, and family to a church that is non-threatening, non-triggering, and non-judgmental, so that everyone around us can feel a safe and strong sense of belonging to a local community of God. Hmm. I'm just going to pray. Dear God, in this season of waiting and watching and weariness, we come to you filled with expectations of rest, of restoration, and of renewal. You see us as a church in transition, and we are eager to go where you call us to serve. We invite you and welcome you into every aspect of the life of our church. May you be in our worship, in the teaching, and even in the nitty and gritty of setup, admin, organization, and communication. We pray for your guidance in this new venture of the mobile church, and we pray that, you, that we will attend to you every step of the way. Bless Kim, Todd, and Janine as they lead us. May we all find peace, love, joy, and hope in you in this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Fantastic. So um, here's the offering basket, which will get passed around. Of course, you know, there are, there are many ways to get it, um, including uh, online and in the brown box. Feel free to also take something out of the basket, which is that little um, calendar card that reminds you when we're meeting in the new year. Um, 
And also want to say thank you uh, to those of you who give in so many ways, not just financially, but seeing Lydia here, um, she and Hans and others just give so selflessly of themselves in terms of time, and that's true for many of you, so um, thank you. Um, I will take the opportunity to uh, invite up Matt and Dave, who are going to sing a song for you that they used to sing back in the day when they were rock stars, and, uh, and I'm going to stand in for Julie because I know the song, so I'll sing a little bit for you. Um, it's called The Christmas Song, written by Matt Thoreau. I'm curious.
All right, thank you, Hocus Chick. <laughs> All right. So we have been doing this um, series that we've been calling Do You Hear What I Hear, which has been to focus on a, a Christmas carol every Sunday to talk about it, listen to it, think about how the words might reflect the message of Jesus, the gospel. And so the one that we're doing today is um, O Holy Night. It's a remarkable song. Some of you love it. Some of us hate it. Uh, it's part worship song. It's actually a bit of a protest song, as I hope you'll hear. And it's an anthem. Uh, it's an anthem of the kingdom and how God's kingdom works. It was originally a poem that was set to music, commissioned by a French priest in 1847, because he wanted something special to read at Christmas Mass. So that music and the French words um, were circulating at that time in 1847 and after. In 1855, a Boston pastor named John Sullivan Dwight came across the song, heard the music, read the French, and translated it into English. He was so taken with the message of the song. He fell in love with it primarily because of verse 3. The verse 3 is sometimes a verse that you hear and sometimes you don't. You'll hear it in a moment. It's a very jarring verse, actually. I always thought that I didn't really know what it meant, and I wasn't sure why it went with the rest of the carol. The idyllic version of this holy night with stars in the sky all of a sudden is like marred by the statement about oppression and all chains being broken. It has a very interesting history, this song, with regards to that third verse, which we'll talk about today. We're going to listen to two versions of the song. The first one we're going to listen to is uh, the one that maybe you think of. It's kind of an iconic Carrie Underwood version. And then I'll talk a little bit about the song, um, and then we'll listen to another version, which is quite unorthodox and perhaps a little bit troubling to you, but I'm sure that you're going to remember it, if nothing else. So as we get ready to listen to this first version to Carrie Underwood, Oh Holy Night a la Carrie Underwood, I've asked um, Archie to put up the lyrics as well. She changes some words, and the words that she changes will be important for our discussion. So listen really carefully. Just notice how the song feels to you. Like what kind of feelings does it, you know, does it engender in you? And see if you can detect the word change. All right? All right, Carrie, take it away. Long lay the world. 
So she, she plays a little bit with the chorus and the own night divines, but there was one particular word. I wonder if you, I'm sure you caught it. You're smart people. What did she change? What did you hear? Slave to child. Slave to child. Interesting, right? 1855 was when John Dwight translated the French into English. And of course, in the United States, they were on the brink of the Civil War. Over the next six years, 11 southern states would secede from the United States, primarily over the issue of slavery. Probably not the safest time for a song like this, but John Dwight was a staunch abolitionist. That's why he liked this song. It's there in the French as well. At a time when over half of the published arguments were in favor of slavery written by Christian pastors, this American clergyman was publishing an anthem of the anti-slavery movement by translating these lyrics and putting the song out there. The song took off and gained immense popularity in the North. <laughs> During the Civil War, um, this song was actually banned in many Southern churches. Not everyone loved it, not surprisingly. Even after the Civil War was over, O Holy Night became one of the most well-known and best-loved Christmas songs, and around the world, churches still, many in the American South, when they didn't ban the song entirely, they omitted verse 3, or they changed the words. Because what's this talk about slavery doing in a Christmas carol? We're talking about a holy night, not about slavery. We're supposed to be talking about starry skies and newborn babies and fluffy sheep and a Lego in the sky. <laughs> We're not supposed to be mixing politics and religion, right? Those things don't go together, some might say. 
we think that, then we forget that the first song about Jesus that his mom sang, she sang a song that was political too. She anticipates what God is going to do through Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, Mary says, He knocks tyrants off their high horses. This is God, or God in Christ she's talking about. He knocks tyrants off their high horses, pulls victims out of the mud. The starving poor sit down to a banquet. The callous rich are left out in the cold. Jesus is coming represents a disruption to the order. Jesus' coming represents something important about power and systems of power being dismantled. This baby that Mary talks about, this, may, this baby that's born on this idyllic starry night, which maybe was not so idyllic or even starry, this baby grows up to challenge the empire and the religious establishment. Jesus' manifesto, just a few chapters later in Luke, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, this sounds like it fits with O Holy Night, that third verse. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus declares, taking from a passage of Isaiah, actually. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, maybe slaves, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So maybe that third verse does go with O Holy Night. Maybe it is actually a proclamation of the gospel. His law is love and his gospel is peace. The words tell us in this song, but it's not a touchy-feely love, right? It's not a tranquil peace. It's not an idyllic major seen underneath a starry sky and a baby safe and warm. That's the Carrie Underwood version of Christmas, as gorgeous as that song is, the way that Carrie sings it. His law of love, that means love for enemy, for neighbor, for all who are far off, including the slave. Love that will lay down a life for us. That is love that is messy and not contained in a major, in an idyllic setting. In fact, that, that baby, that baby that comes out of love it is in danger. That baby isn't safe at all. That baby is vulnerable as a baby, but vulnerable as a political refugee. His law of love, his law is love, and his gospel is peace. Not peace that I feel in my heart. It's actually peace that can be uncomfortable because it's peace that disrupts and breaks chains of oppression. It's a kind of peace that dares to declare the image of God is imprinted onto each human being. Right? No matter who you are, the image of God is imprinted upon you. You are a child of God. Each soul is imprinted with the handprint of God. That's why the soul feels its worth, right? He appears, and the soul felt its worth. Why? Not because we did anything as people to be worthy. Not because we're shiny, happy people. No, it's because he appears, and the soul feels its worth because God joins God's self to our humanity. 
The soul felt its worth because, as it says in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The soul feeling its worth because God comes to be with us, because God risks everything to come to us as a baby, to grow, to live, to teach, and to die, and to rise again. That's where the thrill of hope comes from, right? The thrill of hope. We're not alone. God has come to be with us. And all that is deeply, systemically wrong with the world will one day be mended in Christ. Amen. But we're not there yet, right? We're in that now but not yet time. We are that weary world still laying in sin and error pining. In the meantime, until Jesus completes his work, we're still that weary world. In sin and error pining, wars, climate crises, systemic injustice, that's, that's our world, that was our world in 1855 and our world still today. And yet there is that thrill of hope if we stop and listen for it. This song reminds us of that. And there's, there's worship in this song too, right? Fall on your knees. Fall on your knees because although you don't feel worthy, God has made you worthy. The soul feels its worth because Jesus has come for you and for me and for all. So the next version of the song reflects some of that angst some of that now but not yet anguish. This is not the touchy-feely version. <laughs> this is not the inspiring, I'm gonna lift your soul to heaven version the way that Carrie Underwood sings it. This is a version that I came across by Ben Kaplan and it could not be more different. I think that it captures the struggle, actually. I think it captures the muted joy. There is joy and wonder in it, I, I think, but it all is in the minor key. Um, and it reminds us, or it reminds me anyway, that we're not, we're, it's not all finished yet. We don't have peace on earth yet. But we wait, we pray, we struggle, we work for justice, we call out to God, how long, oh Lord? And in the meantime, we, we bring our worship and our joys and our sorrows to Jesus. So have a listen to this version by Ben Kaplan. And I would love to hear your first your first impressions and honest impressions when we are done. So enjoy O Holy Night by Ben Kaplan, who doesn't change the words of the third verse.
So what'd you think? Better than Carrie. Wow. wow. <laughs> Better than Carrie? <laughs> so give me some words to describe uh, what you're feeling right now or what your response is to that song. Just call out the words. Disappointed. Interesting. Thank you. Others? Powerful. Powerful. Majesty. God, majesty. God can love someone who made a song like that, then God can love me. Uh, God can love someone who made a song like that, God can love me. Yeah. It reminded me of the Grinch. Of the Grinch? It <laughs> sounded like the Grinch. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me? Impressive. Uh, I feel depressed after Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, there's a impressive and depressive, right? Lament and pining. Yes, there's a lament quality to it. It is interesting, isn't it? Like you, you notice different words with a song that's in the minor key and of, of that of that quality. Um, Andrea's not here today, but she was putting together the PowerPoint for me, and she was like, "This song is really disturbing. Did you need to choose this song?" <laughs> I was like, all will be clear tomorrow, but maybe not so clear. But I, whether you like it or love it, I hope that you don't end feeling depressed today. Um, I, I hope that you were able to. Um, oh, again. No. Um, I hope that you were able to to find some way of of connecting with the truth of that song, that is the truth of the gospel, that there is there is hope in Christ, but that that hope is is not fully realized yet. And so that, that thrill of hope that you might feel is, is a taste of something that we're working, uh, that we're working towards, that God is, is journeying along with us and we're, we're waiting for the full hope, right? It's not just the thrill. But in your weariness world, you find a way for Christ to bring peace to you. In your sin and error pining, if you're pining right now with all the sin and error that surrounds you, may you find a glimpse, a thrill of hope that Christ is with you, that Christ is doing something in our world. And perhaps might you have enough joy and hope to participate with him and however he's at work in your life and in the world. So uh, Matt and Dave and Julie, would you come? The, the first song that I've asked them to sing is actually uh, God Rest You Very Gentlemen. I wish there was a more politically correct way to say that gentleman word because the tidings of joy, that's the part I would like for us to hang on to. And those tidings are, are for all of us, women and gentlemen and other gender expressions. So um, tidings of comfort and joy, friends. Tidings of comfort and joy, too. Know when you're young and you misinterpret words and misunderstand. What you're actually saying, I used to think that it was Mary, like as in the mother of Mary. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. I was like, that's a really strange way. <laughs> but it's kind of like gender fair gender that way. Yeah, how's Mary?